Shot reverse shot. Uh, this week uh, we'll be taking a look at some television. Uh, um, I'm Joe Gastineau. Uh, hello, and as always, I'm joined by Ed Davis. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, I've got a cold, hence why I stand a bit kind of husky and, uh, as we always say, sexy. Um, so I'm kind of uh, bringing it to this episode uh, this week, which, as I said, was about. Uh, television and the reason it's about television this week is we're talking about the newest addition to HBO's quality stable of shows uh, True Detective which is just finished um, and it was mighty impressive wasn't it Ed? It was I mean we talked about this at the start of the year when we did our, our preview and we did a bit a talk about the sort of TV shows we're really looking forward to and uh, this was the one that kind of really stood out to me both because of its its pedigree because you know it stars uh, a bona fide uh, movie star in the form of Matthew McConaughey, who's uh, who's at the peak of his powers, uh, critically mm-hmm. and commercially, uh, and Woody Harrelson less so, but still very good. Um, and uh, because it came from the, uh, Carrie Fukunawa, who Naga, who's I'm I'm very uh, fond of. I really liked his his two previous films before moving into doing True Detective, uh, and and the structure of it seemed very interesting because they've said at the beginning that. They're, they're taking the model of the sort of the American horror story, uh, a thing of doing a different story every year. But instead of doing what they do, where they essentially have a rep company who they bring in every year to play different characters, each year they're kind of starting anew. Uh, and that's mm. that's that's uh, very bold in terms of TV storytelling because the whole model of of TV for many years was built on the idea of. You know, familiarity breeding success. You know, you you introduce these characters and people like them enough that they hang out with them for, you know, years and years on the end. So the idea that people completely chuck out that model and say, no, it's going to be a show from the same creator every year, but everything else is going to be kind of get chucked out is 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 very intriguing to me. Um and yeah, structure wise, um we had one director for the whole show, one writer for the whole show. It wasn't like. Uh, you know, a typical cable uh, TV show with a, with a small team of writers and a showrunner and a small team of directors. It was the same guys all the way through, the same crew, same cinematographer, everything. Yeah, so it was essentially like, you know, um, I guess the, the closest thing you talk about is something like Berlin Alexanderplatz, where you know it's it's essentially a very very long film, but broken down into you know episodes that you can watch week to week. That's a very lofty comparison there, Ed. Well, I'm just thinking in terms of the idea of you know have it being a, the work of a single creator or, or, or of you know a very small, limited number of creators, you know, telling a single story. I think that's kind of the that seems like the, the closest comparison, at least for you know this this series, or you know to go to a previous HBO show, the Todd Haynes version of Mildred Pierce from a few years ago, kind of did the same sort of thing, but obviously. Mm. There is based on a pre-existing novel, so that, so they it, people kind of knew what they were going in for. Whereas this um, was, I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I really didn't know what to expect because obviously I'd seen the pitch that it was a detective show, um, but I didn't kind of expect it to be anywhere near as uh, supernatural as it was. 
obviously it wasn't kind of genuinely supernatural but I wasn't expecting it to be so kind of strong in a kind of horror horror element I was expecting a very straight procedural um, but what we actually got was something that was kind of like Kill List mixed with Angel Heart Yes, I think yeah, Kill List is something it definitely reminded me of it also reminded me of um, the Red Riding trilogy so mm-hmm. keep, keep it Yorkshire um, yeah. Where you know again the Red Riding trilogy for people who don't know is a, a series of, of British films produced a couple of years ago based on the Red Riding Quartet by uh, David Peace, where you know it essentially it, it was investigating murders, uh, super supernaturally tinged murders in Yorkshire and tying them to kind of contemporary events. Which this didn't really do too much. There were different time periods, but you know they weren't tying it into I don't know whatever was happening in 1995 the release of Apollo 13 that wasn't that mm-hmm. wasn't kind of a big part of the of the storytelling for some reason um, but you know it, it was it had that same sort of vibe of being something that was you know a story based in the real world but with these kind of very weird supernatural underpinnings going all the way through and uh, you know people have picked apart the references to Robert W. Chambers and H.P. Lovecraft and stuff that were going all the way through uh, and and they you know really particularly the fandom of it really kind of created this idea that it was a it was a detective show but that there were really weird things going on underneath the surface. Yeah, it kind of avoided a lot of the cliches of a detective show that I was expecting, like the whole mismatch cop thing mm. that's been done so uh, so much it's been done to death. Uh, whereas in this show we had because they had time to explore the characters and time to explore their kind of backstories. We basically just got two incredibly fucked up individuals uh, that were kind of stuck together and had to get through it the best as they could. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't really any point in it where you could point to it and said, oh, that's the point at which they started getting on with each other. Because um, they didn't. In fact, they didn't see each other for ten years, which is the exact opposite of what you would expect to happen in a mismatch, mis- mismatched cop show. Um, it was very, it was really more just a case of these two guys were thrown into a horrible situation and they had to work together and uh, they sort of did but actually in many ways they were so dysfunctional that they couldn't work together and they only kind of made good in the end uh, the other thing I didn't expect uh, which the True Detective did deliver is it creeps me the fuck out it wasn't like totally like I, like last night I got up in the middle of the night for a piss and I was just looking over my shoulder the whole time I expected uh, the Yellow King to pop up and uh, like stab me in the heart it was relentlessly creepy I think it was like I said I, I really like Kari Fukunaga's work and I thought it was a nice combination of his his two previous like main works his, his first film was called Sin Nombre which was a sort of thriller about two uh, uh, Mexican immigrants trying to make it across the border into the US which was very lean and very propulsive and all about these two characters going on a journey together and being pursued by uh, other forces and his second film was an adaptation of uh, Jane Eyre which I wasn't hugely enamoured of but I did like the fact that, that, that he really played with the gothic tones to it and he made it sort of very creepy and, and dark and strange to the extent that the trailer for it featured some of the score from Suspiria um, right. and that was kind of the vibe he really brought to that was the idea of, of really playing up the scariness of, of of that story and you know both kind of came to came, both sort of informed this in, in many ways I felt you know the 
the detective stuff was very kind of involving and thrilling and you know there were some really great set pieces such as the the much discussed single take at the end of the fourth episode where uh, pretty goddamn impressive wasn't it it was it was it was sort of virtuosic it was virtuoso uh and very very it reminded me in a lot of ways of um there's a there's a scene in a hard-boiled the john woo film where mm. there's a big shootout in a hospital and the reason why and there's a there's a single take in that where the two characters have to run through you know shooting people and trying to make it through alive and uh, the difference is that uh, that was because john woo ran out of time and money <laughs> he had to shoot it in a single take whereas this i kind of felt was deliberately done that way and it was it was very very effective and uh, very uh, very unnerving mm. Um, as was um, the last episode when they actually got to Carcosa and sort of went into that terrifying maze and it was all very much like um, the, the, the end of Science of the Lambs but expanded so instead of being five minutes it was a good solid half an hour of the episode yeah that was relentlessly tense wasn't it the uh, the, the kind of chase through Carcosa I was um, uh, I was literally on the edge of my seat Ed that's a bold claim yeah. Pictures are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> um, Louisiana was a kind of character on its of its kind of own accord, really, wasn't it? Um, and uh, it was um, not just a backdrop. No, it it definitely seemed to inform it. You know, like from just the the background of it. You know, I think the 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 whole setting is really kind of contained in the the opening credits where they have the. Uh, sort of images of oil, oil pipes, and of sort of uh, smoke rising up and forming the the features of uh, people kind of like praying and stuff, and that sort of sort of oppressive religiosity kind of going throughout the whole region. I think you know it was really established from the opening, the opening minutes of the the show every week, and uh, it, it kind of maintained that throughout, which was very impressive. Hmm. Um, did you think, and this has been a criticism that's been levelled at the uh, the conclusion to True Detective, um, that perhaps uh, the payoff and the conclusion and everything was a bit too pat? If it, I definitely felt it was a lot more conventional than the rest of the show had maybe made me think it would be. Mm. Um, well, I've got a bit of a theory, or not a theory, it's just kind of expounding on that, I guess, that we're so used to now. Uh, episodic television not giving us any answers mm. in a in a kind of uh, setup like True Detective where it didn't really occur to me until about episode kind of six that we're going to have to get a conclusion to this one way or another yeah because there's no hanging over till next series do you think that ordinarily we wouldn't look at that uh, we would look at the ending to True Detective as a bit convenient, a bit all, oh, it's all tied up. But is that just because we've been spoiled by not having any definitive closure to most of the things we watch now? That's a very good question. I think that it's part. It's partly things like that. You know, I think you can point to uh, something like you know, The Sopranos or Lost shows that didn't really answer all of their questions. Or, or left things kind of hanging, or Deadwood, you know, to keep it HBO. There was, you know, lots of questions dangling at the end of that show, although there it wasn't intentional. But you know, I think we're we're very used to shows ending in ways that aren't quite so defined. But mm. I think that 
for me, the thing that was really interesting about True Detective was, you know, like we were talking about all of the the, the, the stuff that seemed to come from weird fec- fiction and that seemed to be sort of vaguely supernatural. So for the end of the show to be, oh, it's just a crazy guy, that felt like... it. it I, I wasn't like... I, w- I wouldn't say I was disappointed in the finale in, like, overall... Like, I was very satisfied with it. I thought it was a really th- thrilling hour of television and I, I really liked the final scene of them two walking together and realising that Rust had kind of had his worldview kind of kind of altered by his experience which I wasn't expecting you know I wasn't expecting a happy ending and I wasn't expecting the characters to kind of change so much but I did kind of think that the show up until that point seemed to be going in one direction that I found very interesting and although the ending was good and I did enjoy it it also you know I was kind of I think somewhere in the back of my mind I was hoping that Cthulhu was going to show up at some point <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I always have problem with mysteries, and as a result, I find myself uh, kind of put off a lot of um, uh, things, like kind of genre pieces, because it's always just some guy. Mm-hmm. No matter how intriguing the thing is, if it's going to cover its ass, it's always just going to be some guy. Yeah. Um, but you realise, kind of at one point through True Detective, as intriguing as the central mystery is, if you're watching it for that, then you're kind of missing the point because just having the two guys I think I read in a review somewhere that you could watch the whole show condensed to the scenes with them in a car talking the two guys and that's kind of quite accurate yeah I I definitely would agree with that I do think that the the kind of the the really important well not important the really interesting things about the show were the two central characters and the kind of the overall atmosphere of it because I think there were times when I was kind of certainly in sort of the middle run where I didn't really care too much about what was happening in the mystery because anyone who's ever read any kind of mystery stories kind of know the middle bit is a lot of red herrings or a lot of kind of chasing down leads and especially with a show like this where you know that it's told in two different time periods and that uh, the only reason they must be interviewing Rust and, and Marty in the future is that they didn't get their guy. You kind of know that they didn't get it right, so like all those middle bits kind of feel less effective than they would be. Um, so I feel that... But even when I wasn't that engaged in the central mystery, I was engaged with who those characters were and what they were doing and the way the show was depicting this kind of uh, phantasmagorical version of Louisiana. And that was kind of the really interesting stuff for me. Um, a couple of months ago, Ed, we recorded a podcast where we examined the ludicrous uh, debate about um, the kind of relative merits of TV versus film. And we concluded that if you say one's superior to the other, you're probably just a knob and a snob. Um, but we did point out that um, television is kind of uh, catching ground on film in terms of uh, production value, quality, and uh, just general being considered as a, you know, a genuine art form. Do you think that True Detective is a show that more than other shows kind of blurred those lines? I mean, yeah, like the, for reasons we've talked about, the idea of it, it being you know, a single vision, both in terms of who was shooting it and who was writing it, I think that kind of blurs the lines between 
you know the way that TV is usually made and the way that you know this show was made. I think this this film, from what I've read, was kind of this this show was treated like it was a long film essentially, um, at, but with the benefits of television and that you can explore characters in more detail and uh, you know they could they could focus more on the sort of the general world of it. Mm. Um, and visually, you know, obviously bringing in a, a film director brought a, a certain level of. Uh, visual or you know in terms of the aesthetics the framing and the the way that scenes were constructed was i i felt you know set it apart from you know a lot of shows because because as we were saying you know detect, detective shows are very very common on television mm-hmm. it's a, it's kind of a staple of the genre um which is why for many years uh hbo refused to make shows about cops because they felt it was too standard until david simon convinced them that maybe making one show about cops would be a good idea uh, and that that turned out pretty well for. Turned out okay, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is this kind of is the same sort of thing where they're ta- they're treating something that is um, standard by most you know uh, by what most networks are doing, and then doing it in a way that is new and and interesting, and which you know you feel could stand to be kind of played in a cinema in all kind of eight hours of it consecutively, uh, in a kind of Carlos or a, a Che kind of way. Mm. And it was uh, interesting that you know obviously you're seeing a lot of uh, actors from film appearing in TV, and it's kind of much more commonplace than it used to be. Where uh, back in the day it used to be seen as a kind of a step down, or you know not the, not the done thing to be on television. But we're talking about Matthew McConaughey, who whilst this show was in its run, accepted an award for best actor at the Oscars. Yeah, I think that's uh, that feels unprecedented, really. Um, uh, there's some there's some uh, people who say that True Detective in itself may have helped his campaign in some way because the, the buzz about the show was so huge that in some ways he didn't have to do as much effort as a lot of the other contenders mm. because you know if you uh, want kind of a good tool for promoting yourself and saying you know I deserve this having sort of the most one of the most acclaimed shows on television running at the height of award season. You know, it's not going to hurt your chances. No, um, I read somewhere that um, it's not been renewed, has it, by HBO officially? Um, and even though it's kind of done really well audience-wise, um, and it even crashed HBO Go, didn't it, on the night that uh, it was on uh, because of the demand? Um, it hasn't officially been renewed. Now, I read that the probable reason for that is that they need to tie down the talent that they want in terms of the acting. Uh, do you think there's any truth to that, or do you think that's just uh, you know speculation? Uh, I, that that sounds very likely to me because I I read an interview with Nick Pizzolatto, the creator, where he said they asked him, you know, what's the what's the deal with season two? Are you guys going ahead of it? And he said that he had written the first episode and that he was busy kind of breaking the second and third. So if the creator is basically saying I'm working on the scripts for the second season. And the show is, you know, has been a sort of a huge success, and you know, has gained them so much attention and so much, in terms of you know, just general discussion, which is a thing that you know HBO prizes quite a bit. You know, the the idea of being at the forefront of culture, mm-hmm. which they they often are with a lot of their shows. Um, I think it would be crazy for them to not renew it and and not engage in this kind of bold experiment they seem to have set out upon by saying it's going to be a new cast every year but at the same time 
because it's not the, a continuation of the same story and it's not the same cast I think that does mean that they have sort of leeway to kind of say okay we're not going to announce an air date until we've got the everything in place especially mm. if you know they want to go for two more kind of high profile people next year to headline it uh, I don't think they'll want to kind of jump the gun and just say yep it's renewed and it's coming back next year when it might be more prudent for them to just kind of wait until they've lined up whoever they want lined up for it mm. yeah interesting and with the season 2 uh, very much uh, hotly anticipated um been kind of fairly tight-lipped. Uh, I mean, in an interview um, that uh, Pizzolato gave with um, Alan Seppenwall, uh, he said that he kind of teased what it's going to be about, uh, and he said it's about hard women, bad men, and the secret occult history of the United States transportation system, <laughs> which is intriguing. It's the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, isn't it? <laughs> I think it might be. Um <laughs> But it does the, sound like uh, it does sound like a, a more supernatural version of Chinatown with that that kind of idea. Because mm. the thing that slightly worries me is, and I don't know whether this is just because how True Detective panned out surprised me so much, so I didn't know what to expect. Is with the level of expectation that like there's going to be a detective show and it's going to start off fairly normal, then it's going to get a bit weird, and then it's just going to be some guy. It, you know, that's why I'm kind of very much holding off jumping in and saying True Detective is the best TV show around at the minute because as much as I thought it was absolutely fantastic um, we can't really talk about it until we've had another season if it's going to be completely different every time Yeah, I think that that, that is kind of the, the both the thing that's really thrilling about it and also the thing that's potentially very dangerous because uh, you know, next year it seems to be, if it, if it is next year or you know, whenever the second season airs it does seem like Pizzolatto has put himself into a very difficult position, which I'm sure he'll he'll delight in kind of working around. Where either he makes essentially the same show again, but with two different guys and a slightly different story, mm. in which case everyone will be like, "Well, it's not as good as the first time round," or you're just repeating yourself. Or he does it completely differently, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? This is what I <laughs> tuned in for." You know, where's McConaughey and all that sort of thing, um, which is. Uh, I kind of hope he goes the second route, really, because I think I the the thing that's nice about this season was that it was, it was you know surprising. I think watching it again, it watching you know essentially the same show again, but with you know sort of maybe people slightly lower down the totem pole in terms of acting, mm. um, would be would be disappointing, and, and you know I think would be uh, would would not be up to the potential of such an interesting experiment that you know they seem to be embarking upon. Yeah, we've got any um, any kind of suggestions for who we should see for True Detective season two? Um, I would like to see them cast uh, cast women in the ro- in the, the lead roles because, as much as I like this show, I do think the, you know that it it ha- has attracted a certain uh, core group of very loud, overly mascu- uh, macho fans who just kind of like take any criticism of the show and its depiction of women as an affront to them and who are very uh, just kind of dickish in general I mean the the fervour that the, the show has attracted has been uh, has been very interesting you know for a show that's only aired 8 episodes for it, for people to have already reached sort of breaking bad level of kind of fever pitch over it mm-hmm. it's very interesting to me but at the same time the culture of, of people kind of taking any criticism of it as an affront 
uh, I find very tiring. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there is a, a very real uh, discussion to be had about the show and its depiction of women and whether or not it's a depiction of misogyny or if it's actually slightly sexist because it doesn't really feature any interesting female characters. And I think it would be good for the second season to kind of address that by actually having the two central characters be women. Mm. And he does hint that, doesn't he? He says it's about hard women and bad men. Um, So that's kind of... I think that's why I would like to see. I'm not sure who I would like to see in those two roles. All I can get out of my head is someone... Someone suggested Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy into like <laughs> a a very hard and gritty uh, version of the Heat, and a part of me would really just like to see that and see the outrage of those same sort of dude bros that uh, I just talked about. But mm. uh, I'm really not sure who I would like to see in it. Um, um, Amy Ryan, Amy Ryan, I'll just throw that out there. I like her. She's an HBO staple, isn't she, Amy Ryan? Yeah, she's part of the 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 rep company of HBO. The family. It's nice to see uh, like kind of wire actors pop up every now and then in uh, things. Uh, the fact that Brother Muzone was uh, was uh, one of the key interrogators of uh, Harrelson and McConaughey. Well, also the guy who was in, who was interrogating with him. Uh, I couldn't help looked like uh, former Manchester United striker Dion Dublin, um, which I found very off-putting for most of it. Um, going back to the misogyny point, I mean, I've not read an awful lot about the kind of arguments of misogyny. Um, about the show and uh, I'm sure that they are all valid if there are them um, but the one thing that struck me is the show had a bit of an arse fetish yeah more than a bit um, like literally you, I reckon you were probably talking four or five kind of gratuitous arse shots per episode yeah there was a there was an interview which got a lot of attention where Nick Pizzolato said that that is kind of mandated by HBO Right. HBO say that you have to have a certain degree of nudity, which uh, it would be disappointing if they feel that you know they haven't gone far enough away from being a, uh, a sort of a, a, a pay for hardcore porn channel that they started out as, mm. or which was kind of their bread and butter for many years. Uh, that they feel they have to they have to offer that, oh. but um, it certainly would explain it because some of them were really quite gratuitous, um, and I think. Uh, part of me wonders if that was the reason why they included the shot of the arse and the spiked heels in the opening credits mm, as, a, as a, nev- a way of meeting the quota yeah it never really tied up to anything that happened in any of the episodes did it those spiked heels no <laughs> it was just kind of there yeah and um, like I know didn't HBO start as a as a boxing thing as well do you think they have to fit an, an amount of contractually obliged boxing into <laughs> things is that why Cutty starts the gym in the wire <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, I kind of found it really odd that like Michelle Monaghan, essentially, she's the uh, female lead of the of the show, but she was introduced uh, with an arse shot, and I was like, is this Michael Bay directing this? Because that's a criticism I've made of his fairly regularly. Yeah, I think that that was that was that would be my only sort of knock about it is that I do think it is a show about like misogyny because obviously, in the same way, to something like the girl with the dragon tattoo, that the victims in it are sort of young women and it seems to be all about you know asserting of sort of very kind of primal images of masculinity over over young women and the men who did the killing only one of whom ended up being caught was you know it seemed to was someone who seemed to be uh, you know wasn't a very attractive man he seemed to be someone who probably suffers from sort of self-doubt and things like that and uh, you know has a half-sister slash lover 
played by Anne Dowd, who I was quite pleased to yeah, see. Yeah, nice to see. If the, those of you who don't know, like a uh, big fan of hers from the film Compliance that came out last year. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, um, but yeah, th- that was um, a pretty sinister. I, I, I kind of thought because the show is pretty fucking dark. Let's be fair. And I was like, surely when we get to Carcosa or when we get to actually finding out, you know, where this guy lives, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty weird to kind of top that. And it it wasn't, it was just like a messy house, obviously, <laughs> with a with a dad in the shed and a maze that had full of, like, satanic altars and things. Um, but, like, that relationship with the Andowed character just completely fucking sealed it. Yeah, and his, uh, his pitch-perfect James Mason impression... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was, was I read an interesting choice. yeah I read an interesting thing um, with Pizzolatto when he was saying that like he the concept behind that was that uh, because he had such a scarred face he couldn't actually talk in his normal voice so he would just mimic other voices and that's what he spoke like to other people but then when he spoke in his kind of interior monologue it was the voice you heard in the maze. Yeah, I, I like I like that idea. It definitely seems to. Uh it's it's the most logical ex- explanation because up until that point I was just kind of like, oh god, he is some sort of like possessed <laughs> demon who's been around for hundreds of years if he's British because that's all we. <laughs> um, but they had, they had the, to make the baddie British, didn't they? Even if it just for sort of two minutes. Mm. Uh, but back to the the kind of point about uh, misogyny, I was saying that, that, that there is there's lots of misogyny in the show and and I think that's a kind of a a key thing driving the killings themselves. Mm. Uh, you know, but I think that, and and it's it's great that it is it would it would choose to explore that theme, but at the same time, the lack of kind of compelling female characters does kind of leave it open to charges of itself being quite sexist and of perhaps subscribing to that worldview. And uh, I don't think there is enough evidence on this season to say that it is a sexist show or that Nick Pizzolatto is a sexist or anything. But I do think that. That that's kind of the thing that why I would like the second season to sort of focus on female characters, just to kind of you know kind of offer a counter to that to that particular argument. Mm, because I've just been kind of mentally going over it in my head, so this is by no way scientific, but I can definitively say that every female character in True Detective season one either gets fucked or murdered. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or both. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, not not great in its portrayal of women, but no. also, to be fair, worse in its portrayal of men. Yeah, because the men get fucked, like, kind of psychically. Yeah, or are just, like, awful, horrible human beings. But awful, horrible human beings with kind of a, a layer of complexity to them. Yeah, Michelle Monaghan's got the last laugh, let's just say that. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about True Detective, Ed? I think it's it was a show that you know I, I really really enjoyed. I think that I'm interested to see how it how it goes. But like you, I'm I'm also reticent to kind of anoint it as the best show on on TV because of the the, the model that they're using is so experimental and so hard to gauge at this point. That uh, as as much as I enjoyed it, I also kind of think that there is so much potential for it to just fuck up next the next time round. Mm. But as a as a self contained mini series, I think it's really really good. Yeah, and and even if the the um, later series um, don't work out, we can't say it ruined the other series because that series on its own is pretty goddamn good and will unless, stand by itself. 
unless the second season opens with them kind of murdering people made up in very bad Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey <laughs> makeup. Yeah, do you know what I actually generally thought because I didn't really understand fully when they said it's a different cast every uh, season. Because when I, I read that it was going to take place over 20 years, I thought it would be the same murder case. That when we got to the end of series one, uh, McConaughey and Harrelson would be like, oh, yeah, we haven't got that. And then two more detectives would come in and they'd be, be played by, oh, they could be played by the guys who did Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> uh, and they'd be like, it's all right, guys, we've got it from here. <laughs> and then they'll try and do it. And then we have eight episodes of them failing to do it. And then... Uh, Etc. Etc. But think about it now. That would have been probably the worst show of all time. Yeah, just every couple of years, eight episodes of frustration mm. and complete failure. It should have uh, just been called Crap Detectives because <laughs> they can't <laughs> solve a fucking case. Mm. Yeah, Perhaps but yeah, closer to reality in terms of unsolved murders, but not the most satisfying show from a narrative point of view. Yeah, and if they want to go HBO on it, just uh, give Weebay Bryce from The Wire a cheeseburger, and he'll probably cop to to those murders just to get uh, <laughs> just to get some kind of coleslaw on the side. Um, that's that's a very inside baseball reference there. Just like to say, a little bit. Yeah, um, but yeah. So we really enjoyed True Detective, and we hope that you guys did too. If you're listening to this without having seen any of it, then you're an idiot because uh, we've just spoiled the whole thing for you. Um, uh, so yeah, sorry about that. But then no, not sorry because you should know better. Um, so that brings to an end our little kind of uh, uh, wrap up of True Detective. And uh, yeah, hungry for more, Ed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or at least interesting to see how it progresses. Mm, and I want to see some more asses because you know who doesn't. <laughs> but hopefully they'll be a bit more uh, balanced in future. Yeah, yeah, we want some tits and us, not just us. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll be back next week with something quite different, probably. Um, until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.